If you're not in the Christmas spirit yet, you got to check your pulse. Always does it. Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version, updated. Now, the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be pregnant from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to divorce her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had given birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this word. We thank you for being able to celebrate this time of the year as we anticipate the birth of Jesus. We thank you that this anticipation helps us also to prepare for his second coming. We ask, O oh Lord, that you will fill us with your joy and with your peace as we hear this word proclaimed, that it will speak to our need of you this morning and give us, O oh Lord, what we need to hear from you. We pray that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Sometimes we forget just how different biblical times were from nowadays from modern times. I mean, when we talk about cultural and time differences of how things were and how things are now, there are so many things that have changed. Think about it. Even just from our parents' generation, people can look at this generation and go, boy, things have really changed. Now extrapolate that out over 2,000 years. And you kind of get the idea that things are just a little bit different than they were in Jesus' time. The Gospel of Matthew tries to help us understand just how different things were. He tries to paint a picture of what the real situation was for Joseph and Mary. You see, nowadays, people get engaged all the time, right? They, they, they get engaged, they get a promise ring, and they propose to their girlfriend and they get engaged and oftentimes within a few months you'll hear that something happened and the engagement is off. Anybody know anybody who was engaged and then you know, broke off for whatever reason? Well that didn't happen back in Jesus' time. You see marriage was seen as this great endeavor in which two families made a commitment to each other to become part of each other. And it was a process. It wasn't a day. 
Marriage wasn't one day where you came together and you got together and, and decided to spend the rest of your life together. It was a process that took time because the two families had to decide and agree that their children would marry and that they would make a life together. And so when a family had a, you know, a daughter, for example, that got engaged to a man on the other side and they engaged to be married, they entered into a legal and binding arrangement, a formal arrangement that everybody else in town would know about. There was no secret engagements back then. It was very public. Everybody was informed and there was a formal way of getting engaged and there was promises made from one family to the other back and forth. And there was a relationship that went beyond the two individuals that were getting married. These two families knew that this marriage meant an alliance between their two families, that they would come together and be one family going forward through this marriage. And so when Mary and Joseph were engaged, it wasn't a simple thing. It was a really big deal. Back then, you were promised in marriage and you were en became engaged, and then you could be in that status of engagement for over a year. During that time, the man would live with his parents or in his own home, and the woman would live with her parents, and then they would come together on the day of their marriage, and then the man would bring her home, and the marriage would be consummated. The period of engagement sometimes lasted even more than a year. And during that time, the families would continue to work together towards that great day when the marriage would actually be fulfilled. The events of our scripture today take place after Mary and Joseph had taken that first step of getting engaged, but before that day in which they would have consummated their marriage. It's in that in-between period that the events in our scripture take place. They were engaged. Everybody knew about it. And Joseph was just waiting for that day in which they would get married and bring Mary home. It is during that time that Mary was found to be pregnant from the Holy Spirit. Now you have to remember that the gospel writer, Matthew, knew more than Joseph at this point. You see, we read that and we think, oh, so everybody knows that the Holy Spirit got Mary pregnant. But that's not quite how it worked out. You see, Joseph knew that Mary got pregnant, but that's all he knew. He didn't know anything else. You see, Mary had had an angel appear to her and let her know what was going to happen. But Joseph had had no warning whatsoever of what was to come. He had no idea who the father of the baby was. And you can only imagine what must have been going through Joseph's mind and heart as he considered what was happening and what would happen if he married Mary. Matthew tells us that Joseph was a righteous man that he was unwilling to expose Mary to public disgrace. And you know, this is one of the points where you really realize that Joseph really did love Mary. He loved her because he knew that 
if she had been unfaithful to him and gotten pregnant with some other man, he was in his perfect right to out her, if you will, to the whole community, to shame her. And even then, he could even have her stoned because that infidelity could have been a punishable by death. But he was unwilling to do that to her. He loved her that much. At the same time, the idea that Mary had been unfaithful to him and somehow gotten pregnant made it impossible for Joseph to even consider moving forward with the marriage. Like many of us, I'm sure he went down the rabbit hole with all the what-ifs. You ever done that? Something goes wrong in your life and you begin, what if I had done things differently? What if I had spent more time with Mary and talked to her more? What if I had been paying more attention to our upcoming marriage? What if I had been around more with her family? What, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? You ever done that? Something goes wrong and immediately we go to the what ifs. What if things have been different and I had done things differently? And I think that this is what Joseph was going through with this situation. When things don't go according to plan, we tend to second guess ourselves. We blame ourselves or we blame others. We find somebody to blame because somebody has to take the fall for what is going on. We throw big pity parties. Anybody have one of those? Where you, where you feel justified because you're being wronged and you feel that it's unfair and then you, somebody tells you life is not fair and you don't like that answer either so you get mad at them too. You know, I'm sure that there was moments during this time of deliberation that Joseph was going, why is this happening to me? I know none of us ever say that. But I'm sure he had the moments where he was going, you know, I'm trying to be a righteous, upright man before God. Why is this happening to me? I suspect Joseph was experiencing this and a lot more. You see, his whole future with Mary, in his mind, was going up in smoke right before his eyes. Everything that he had dreamed about, everything that he had planned for, everything that he had been preparing for, everything that he hoped for with Mary was going up in smoke before his eyes because of the circumstance of her pregnancy. And given that Joseph suspected that Mary was, had been unfaithful, made it very difficult for him to consider even the possibility of trusting her. He's like, if we haven't even gotten married and she's already pregnant with somebody else's baby, how can I even consider getting married to her? Well, he did what most of us do. He considered all of his options. He considered what he could do. And after delivering and trying to figure it all out, he decided that the only viable course of action was to divorce her quietly, to not expose her publicly so that she wouldn't be disgraced because he knew that once the, the, the fact that she was pregnant was known to the community, they would immediately know that she had been unfaithful in some way. 
You know, I've often wondered how long it took Joseph to finally arrive at that decision. Because it was a big one. When you have a decision that big, you don't come to it lightly. You don't come to it quickly, do you? When it's a decision that's going to affect the rest of your life, you really weigh all the options. You really examine all the possibilities and you go, there's got to be a way through this. But the scripture tells us that Joseph had done that. He had gotten to the end of the road and he saw no way forward. It must have been a terribly painful deliberation process looking for alternatives and finding none. And as he had resolved to divorce Mary, just as he had given up on his future with her and the possibilities that he had hoped for and dreamed for and been planning for, the scripture says that he laid down to sleep and in his sleep an angel came to him and told him, Joseph, don't be afraid of taking Mary as your wife because the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Even asleep, I think Joseph sighed a sigh of relief. Up to this point, he had assumed the worst, that Mary had been unfaithful. And now he was getting word from the Lord that the child was not from another man, but from God himself. I can't imagine what he was thinking and feeling in that dream, but I have to imagine that a part of him was relieved to know that it wasn't infidelity. A part of him had to be relieved that it wasn't that Mary had betrayed his trust. It wasn't that Mary had betrayed their confidence. It wasn't that Mary had betrayed their marriage covenant. The angel went on to tell him that Mary would bear him a son and that he was to name him Jesus because he would save his people from their sins. Jesus means Yahweh is salvation or Yahweh saves. God clearly had big plans, and they involved Joseph staying with Mary and taking care of, of Jesus, raising him and being Jesus' earthly father. But you know, the angel pointed something out to us with his words. Joseph was afraid of his future with Mary. He was afraid of what it would mean if we went, he went ahead with this marriage, given that she was pregnant. And you know, sometimes we are right there with him. We're afraid of our future because we don't know what the future holds. We are timid about our future when we worry about things not working out according to our plan. And I don't know about you, but I like to plan things out. I like to, you know, have goals and ambitions of things that I want to accomplish and do. And we try to set up you know, a goals for our lives and, and things that we want to accomplish, things that we want to do, people that we want to touch. And when those things don't work out, we feel like we need to go get ourselves a little cup of coffee and think it over and come up with, with a solution, you know? A cup of coffee always helps me think. 
It really does. I mean, it helps me really get juices going in my brain and just kind of think about things. But you got to understand that what Joseph was going through required a cup of coffee. <laughs> not, a, not a cup of coffee, a cup of coffee. He needed more than he could get on his own. He needed more than he could achieve by himself. He needed more than was available to him through his intellect or through his ability or through anything that he could accomplish by his strength. He needed a God-sized cup of coffee. He needed the influence of God himself. And that is why I think it's so important that this angel appear to him because if that angel had not appeared to him, I'm afraid that Joseph would have divorced Mary and that the story would be completely different. You see, sometimes we just need God to step in and tell us, hey, 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 remember, my plan is better than your plan and I know what I'm doing. And it might not look like it makes sense to you in a human way, but trust me, my plan is still better than your plan. During that dream, basically the angel was telling Joseph, it's going to be a hard time. You're going to need a lot of coffee. But this is the plan that I have for you. And this is the future that I have laid out for you. He says, and by the way, I didn't just come up with this plan now. This was already prophesied. The prophet said, look, the virgin shall become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. This is not a plan that I just half-baked right now and threw out at you. This is something that has been coming from before the dawn of time, before I even made the world. I already had this plan because I have been in the past, in the present and the future. And it was prophesied that this baby would come and that it would be God with you. You know, I've often said we go, we go about it wrong when we go planning. We tend to make wonderful plans, figure out all the details, calculate it out, and then tell God, God, I've got a great plan. You better get on board with it. It's going to be great for us. You know, I got it all figured out. It's going to be smooth sailing. We're going to be just awesome. And God steps in and says, well, I got a better plan for you. It's not going to be as smooth as yours. It's not going to be as easy as yours. It might require a whole lot of coffee, but it's a better plan. And then God leaves it up to us. Are you going to get on board with God's plan or are you going to continue to follow your plan? I mean, because that ultimately becomes the decision. When Joseph woke up from his dream, he had a choice to make. Do I go and divorce Mary and follow my plan? Leave her and go and make my life? Find somebody else to get married to and have a bunch of kids with and have a family? Or do I take Mary as my wife? Wait for this child to come and name him Jesus. Well, we know how the story ends, so we know what he chose, right? 
Even though it was the harder path, even though it was the rockier path, even though it was the most uncomfortable path, Joseph chose to marry Mary. To become the father of the Son of God. And to be faithful to his commitment to her. He took her as his wife. And the scripture says he had no marital relations with her until she had given birth to that boy. And following the angel's instructions, he named the child Jesus. He followed the plan. Even though it wasn't the most comfortable, it wasn't the easiest. And the question for us today is, are we willing to do the same? When God changes the plans for us, when we don't get what we want, when we don't, things don't go how we expected them to go, and God sends us in a different direction or to do different things, are we willing to lay down our plans, our hopes, our ambitions, and follow the will of God? Remember I said it's not going to be easy. His plan is not the easy plan. It's the plan that's going to be blessed. It's the plan where we're going to go and do what God wants us to do. It's the plan where other people are going to know more about his son, Jesus Christ, because he's going to use us and empower us to reach more people for his kingdom. But are we willing to lay down our plan to accept his. Today, my prayer is that like Joseph, we will do as God has commanded, that we will seek his will and follow it wherever it leads us, knowing that his plans are always better than our plans. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for Joseph. I thank you for the courage that he had to take your plan and run with it. We know, O oh Lord, that it wasn't an easy decision for him. We know that he must have struggled and he must have had doubt and fear and trepidation about doing this. But we also know, Lord, that you were right there with him to help him in this decision. We thank you for sending the angel to confirm to him that this was your plan. We ask, O oh Lord, that in our own lives, you will send us signs and wonders, confirmations of what your will is every single day so that we might follow it, so that we might get with your plan, so that we might fulfill your purposes and your kingdom. We ask, O oh Lord, that you will give us courage to take the more difficult path if that is your will and that you will grow us in our faith in that path. We thank you again for Joseph, for him being a righteous man, willing to do the difficult things to please you. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now the altar is going to be open today. And it's going to be open because sometimes we face difficult things in our lives that we can't do alone. Things that our little cup of coffee just won't cut. We need God-sized type coffee to make it through it. 
And so if you've been trying to run on this and you really need this, the altar is going to be open for you. Come fill up. Let the Lord fill you up. Let the Lord empower you. He's not coffee, but he's better than coffee. And he can give you what you need for this moment in your life. Let us worship and the altar is open.